0: And leaving a review there. Um, reviews help us get out there. Help folks who might be on the fence or looking for something similar to things that they like. Um, just get the show in front of new people. And then finally, um, if you haven't subscribed to the show on again your preferred platform, please do so. Um, and also feel free to share it with a friend. Um, word of mouth is such a powerful tool still in the digital age. And today's episode, I hope you enjoy it.
1: Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome into another in bed by nine. Um, side note, we're recording this not at nine o'clock at night, so it's a little different. So the kids are in bed. It's gonna be a little chaotic, but we're gonna have fun with it. Jeremy, how has your week been?
0: Hey, uh so far been uh pretty good, you know, just the usual, the the dad stuff, but uh <laughs> able to get a lot of that done. Uh finished the the birthday gauntlet, got all four uh kids' birthdays celebrated in a month and somehow snook in uh a year older myself. So, Hey, I uh, managed to accomplish that, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing how little timeouts you can get besides doing that, but no, nah, it's definitely worth it, man. How about, how about you? Um,
1: it's been crazy. I don't know. I mean, that's the essence of my life, Jim. We know this. It's the, like with the two kids, the family, the in-laws, everyone, in between. it's been nuts and a half. Um, my brother came into town with his kids and I spent, uh, five and a half hours at zap zone and that's a long time to be playing laser tag and other things with the kids which was fun i ran into some former students of mine there as well and they were challenging me and my kids to zap zone which was great um i didn't realize how out of shape i was i mean it's laser tag i can't run but i was moving pretty good and sweating quite a bit and i was really surprised <laughs> how intense that was um but it was a good time um The kids got to play with their cousins for, you know, five hours playing laser tag and jump around. They fell asleep really good that night. Um, But we did have a dilemma in the household. We had a fish that passed. It was really sad. Um, We had one of those carnival fishes that we tried to save, put into a nice little fish tank, and it just... So that was a good moment to have on Sunday? No, yeah, yesterday. Have a good moment with the kids and, you know, explaining life and death situations to a, you know, three-year-old which is always fun um so (laughs) yeah we passed that hurdle so a lot of milestones a lot of moments have happened in the last couple years so it's good we're moving on so nice but you know living the dream right jeremy last night so that's all matters good stuff so jeremy we do have a guest with us as always
0: who do we have today we have uh robin pearson the host of the history of byzantium podcast welcome in robin
2: hey guys thanks for having me
1: definitely so other than being extremely intimidated by you and your knowledge again that's a little <laughs> seventh grade socialized teacher here <laughs> and roman history and business history is one of my favorite topics to like dive down with my kids and they love it um let's let's talk about you who are you what do you do let's explain who is robin <laughs>
2: uh well yeah well i am a 40 year old englishman um <laughs> And uh, yeah, I uh, I did study um, history and politics at college, but I never thought I would use it for anything. And uh, and weirdly, now that's what I do. I, I write an essay every week and uh, <laughs> it's like the old times. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of um, uh, listless after college. I didn't really have a direction. I ended up working for my dad, who was an actor and uh, just became his his PA and his agent and just did more and more stuff for him which was interesting but um his work began to wind down as he moved towards retirement and I thought well what else can I do it's going to be a hard jump to go from working for him to working in an office for other people's (laughs) so
1: um
2: and this was around 2007 and so I'd got into podcasting and um I was listening to uh, about five different lost podcasts at the time, because I was so into that show and um,
0: <laughs> yeah. tried to
2: work out what was going on. And, and I thought, well, I want to talk about this. So I, I started podcasting about lost and about other TV shows. And um, yeah, I was a huge fan of uh, the history of Rome by Mike Duncan mm-hmm. um, and uh, which was a big podcast. And I, I kind of put two and two together that he had this huge audience as far as I could tell. And I had a, a smaller audience, and I thought, you know, he's very good at this and he's very positive about Rome and I'm very negative about Lost and and, uh, <laughs> and uh, these other TV shows. And I thought maybe I should uh, be talk about something positively. And so when he ended the podcast, I thought, oh, no, I love I love his work. And I wrote to him saying you should carry on into Byzantium and, um, you know, the, the later half of Rome's story. And uh, of course, he moved on to other things. And it was mm-hmm. about a month later. I thought, oh, wait a minute. It, could I do that? And uh, Yeah, it was, um, you know, it it was partly passion, partly I really loved Roman history, but it was also, it was a financial thing. It was sort of, if I'm going to make podcasting work, I need to make it work before my dad retires for good. Mm -hmm. And so I I did it, um, I started in 2012, and I thought I'll do it for free for a year before I asked people, you know, can you give me something to keep going? So that's sort of, that's the start of the story okay i won't i won't talk for another 20 minutes <laughs> no you're so fine talk all you want i'm just that's enjoying
1: the, the, I'm absorbing it. it's great I suppose that's so, the
2: that's the origin story and i imagine some of your listeners will relate to the idea of kind of being on the on the cusp of something what do i do here do i go full-time with this side mm-hmm. project or do i go and get a real job i've got the <laughs> quote marks <for> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yes so when you said you you like you went to you went to college or whatever university and then you laughed. Do you have a do you have like a master's degree or just do you have like a bachelor's degree in history yeah, primarily? Just, you just this is all just passion and love and research on your own and Yeah, no it was formal dedicated history or education.
2: No. No, just a bachelor's degree in in what's called politics and international relations, which is basically just a history degree about yeah. focusing on politics. But um no, I have no formal training and I I wouldn't call myself a historian because I'm not reading the original languages so i'm not reading latin and greek um i it fortunately now um the internet is so helpful you can get translations of almost everything you need into english and often for the purposes of explaining ancient history to modern people it's more helpful to rely on modern historians writing in english explaining things than it would be for (laughs) me to try and work it out myself Um, yeah, and so I, I was intimidated. I did think people are going to message immediately going, you've made a load of mistakes that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, um, but that didn't happen. And you you quickly realize if you've read five history books on a subject, then you do know more than most people, even if you don't fully understand it yourself. Um, and so then it just comes down to, can you explain it well? And I, I was confident enough to think I can explain what I understand, even if I don't fully understand. So,
1: yeah you sound like me as a history teacher like that's like i read about five history books in my life and then you know i can explain it pretty easily so i think i, I need education right there 100 <laughs> well that's i mean that's cool The think about that you know you 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 went into this with a passion and love pretty much and then you decided to just go full tilt into it and have come to the conclusion that you can do this on your own how many asses for the listeners how many podcasts do you do? Do you do like one a month, once a week? What's your process to get those out there? So, um, or your turn time, I should say.
2: Yeah. So the podcast is telling the story of the Roman state. So, you know, focusing on politics and warfare. Um, so when I'm just telling the story, it usually will take a week to do one episode and, um, with, with medieval and ancient history, we're lucky in a way <laughs> as mm-hmm. a podcaster because there's only so many sources. So if you were doing World War II or even the French Revolution, there's so much more information that to process that all into a week, you would be heavily summarizing. But as soon as I try to research anything more complicated, it can take weeks and weeks. And um, listeners are frequently uh, irritated by my slow pace. Um <laughs> And, and I think this is, you know, as, as you know, your listeners, there'll be bits of your business or your content that are, come easy to you and there are bits that are hard. And yeah. I read slowly. Um, and, you know, Mike Duncan, uh, you know, the History of Rome podcaster, was working as a, a fishmonger, I guess, yeah. uh, <laughs> nine to five, and then would go home and do the podcast. I couldn't do that at all because my I'd be too tired by, dinner time to then read and process roman history um so yeah so it does it takes a while and obviously if i were less thorough i could do it more quickly um but as time has gone on i now will read 10 12 books at the same time on a subject and articles because i can now do it full time so everything grinds to a halt um the more complex you go um And not to get too technical, but another thing about sort of medieval periods is people will say, um, you know, what was happening in this year? And then what was happening 10 years later? That's impossible (laughs) to answer. I can tell you what was happening 100 years later. So people (laughs) want to know very specific things. And so you end up having to do loads of research just to tell them this is roughly what happened over this 150 year period. So, yeah, so it's it's it can really vary. The the, t- the turnaround time.
0: If they would have had cell phones and stuff, it would have oh, been yeah. so much easier for your research. <laughs> so, but Just, um, yeah. text messages. I mean, think about how yeah. many text messages you can go through about like you know, yo.
1: No, yeah. like Getting
0: Your Google, your Google memories. Hey, if we attacked uh, Nicka Media or whatever here. Yes. But um, one thing that um, because I know you say it depends on on what your you know what you're researching. Because um, Mike, you know Mike Duncan would you know, tell the narrative and pretty much stuck to that. But you do um what I what I always like, you know, you do questions from viewers and then you do a recap typically, you know, every century, dependent, you know, how much is going going on. Um what made you add that wrinkle, you know, into your uh, into your, you know, telling of the story?
2: Well, um I had no incentive to hurry through. Um, you know, Mike reached a point where he thought, oh, I want to move on from this. So he didn't want to um, do anything but narrative and obviously he was doing it for free. So it was a different world. I can offer people, do you want this? You know, and if people are paying, uh, then, you know, I will do more more stuff. But um, initially it was just responding to listeners. Listeners were saying, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping track of this. So I, d- I added recaps and I didn't want to stop the narrative to explain who are the, the Bulgars or the, Magyars or whoever so at the end of the century I said okay well let me talk more about them in detail and um, it kind of gives people the chance I imagine some people just skip all that and just mm. do the narrative now that they can catch up all in one go but it's nice to be able to offer people a deeper dive if they want it.
0: yeah I'm somebody that has spent countless hours going after those episodes <laughs> and, and researching and things further so I definitely appreciate it as a listener so well, and I do love
2: getting, I love getting listener feedback. And I mean, uh, it is one of those things, again, I think it's applicable to all content creators is, is do use your audience. Obviously they will oh, yeah. give you, they'll give you feedback and you listen to that, but you can, you can ask them questions. And I think it's, it's probably a skill asking the right questions to work out what it is they are enjoying and what they're missing and what they want more of and so on. Um, as an example of that, I, I was basically fishing for compliments. I wanted to just say on social media, you know, what do you like about the podcast? Yeah. But then I thought I, my Britishness kicked in and I thought you can't say that they'll see through that and they'll know you're, <laughs> you're fishing. So I, I said the opposite. I said, what, what would make you not want to listen to the podcast? What would turn you off? And that actually turned out to be a much better question because if you say what's good about what I do, people will say, oh, I like listening to you and you have explained things well and you, you know that otherwise why would they be listening but what <laughs> what came back was um you know and the, the one that interested me the most was if you start using modern analogies if you start comparing emperors to trump or putin or whatever i will turn off because i don't want my experience of this escapism soured by your political opinions or just by reminders Ooh. of the modern world really? and obviously that's fine for me like that's not to say someone else couldn't do a great history podcast where it was full of their political opinion and comparisons and jokes and that's just not my style Mm -hmm. and you if you establish an audience they they are on your wavelength so if you suddenly try to be something you're not you will turn them off because they like the way your brain works yeah Um, Yeah. so yeah
1: that's a good point to think about just um one for the compliment point of view i mean if if I would say like, look at Google reviews. More people will write negative reviews on Google than they do positives. Um, And they will more likely mention something they don't like over and over again than what they do like. Um, And it's always hilarious to look at Google reviews um, for that purpose. But that's a good point. Like change that topic around a little bit and guys say, Hey, what is something I could do better? Or what is something I could do to keep you or keep you, you know, what turns you off. So that's good. And the political point, I mean, I agree with you on that. I think that's a great way to put that as well. It's like, you don't want your, you know, as much as you might want to speak in a political aspect because of something is driving you crazy or something's driving you up, you you should, you know, if you don't do that normally, it's not something that's going to drive with your listeners and that's going to turn you off. I get that entirely. Um, When you're, when you talked about your research and like you're diving into the thing you said it depends on how deep you want to go how long you, you do this do you do multiple episodes to kind of keep track of stuff or you just focus on one episode at a time and just that's your like your path
2: yeah it depends it depends on the topic so i've done kind of long multi-part episodes on a on a big topic like mm-hmm. healthcare or uh women in the roman world or things like that um generally, I try to keep things in in one episode if they'll fit mm-hmm. i my my dad would do one man shows and he would try to do two halves of forty five minutes and he was absolutely convinced that after forty five minutes people can't take that much in yeah, um and obviously, if you're listening to something you're really passionate about, you can listen for an hour and a half straight mm-hmm. um but it's probably a good idea to split things up if you can um if you've got an hour and a half to talk about then split it in two because people will go oh i really enjoyed that and i'll come back to part two later and and take it in um so yeah i i I always go on that and i i with with what i do i would say is uh, obviously you'll have people listening who have all kinds of different content they create but with what i'm doing I am learning something new and then explaining it immediately. So uh, if I was a historian, it would be different because I would have known this stuff for decades. And then I'd think, oh, how do I explain this to people who don't know it? Whereas I didn't know it till I explain it to you. And that is useful in terms of, I know what I didn't know last week. So when (laughs) I'm summarizing something, I can say, this is what's interesting about this because i didn't know it last week whereas if i'd known it for decades i might have forgotten that sometimes you interview academics and they struggle to tell you as if you've only you've only just learned it they assume you know things that they can't mm-hmm. they can't remember that they've that they remember they learned that long ago and someone else hasn't so um often i think with with content creators that's key is kind of you are your audience you i mean you were very kind saying you know my knowledge is intimidating but obviously i've been doing it for 10 years whereas when i started i was completely um a novice i'd read you know i knew the outline of the history but i didn't know any of the detail and i think that's often what makes a good youtuber or podcaster or whatever because they are very similar to their audience and so they have similar feelings about ah this is the new thing i've discovered it's exciting and you'll like it too and i found that to be a good guide for how to do things i like that perspective it's
1: like hey this is new to me i love it let me share it with you here's my passion stick with me on this passion yeah it's wonderful um
0: so i don't know what's happening back there (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) go ahead jeremy okay um so you've been you know you're you're you know you're hundreds episodes in for those you know that have not uh listened to the podcast um how like how how much longer do you see the window going to wrap up the history you know to end up you know in, in at 1453 so, with the yeah, fall constant
2: yeah, absolutely <laughs> it's taken me 273 episodes <laughs> to and 10 years to get from 476 to 1204 um so it could be another uh three three four years I guess um you know life has intervened a lot you know I uh I don't know about your personal stories but you know previous generations might have got married in their in their early 20s and then have children in your mid-20s and so on and I've done it all in my late 30s and and now 40 yeah Yeah. so so yeah it's I I have had to pause at times where I moved house or got married or had a baby and that slows things down so I, I never intended it to take this long um but i still really enjoy it i think um the romans are about to enter a period of of not being powerful and a lot of listeners have threatened to stop listening or to stop in, enjoying <laughs> it as much because it's a sadder story from their perspective um so we'll see if that's true I mean, it's it's all the more interesting to me because I don't know anything about it. But we'll see if it becomes depressing or <laughs> downbeat as we get towards the end, and then I might speed up, I, I guess, because people don't want to linger on uh, uh, repeated failed attempts. To <laughs> that's,
1: bring I'm going to be honest, that's probably one of my favorite times in the Roman history when there's that downfall situation starting to happen. Yeah, it's an interesting for me an interest perspective on the Roman Empire just because it's, it's setting up for modern Europe in a way and kind of that perspective like hey this is kind of what ends up happening we have this giant collapse then we have the separate states start to form and like it starts to create that more modern world and it's just for me it's interesting to see how advanced humans were and how they massively degraded yeah. and then they rebuilt from there so absolutely i, don't know. I like this kind fiction so
2: yeah absolutely and i think that there is a slight um oddness in uh 1453 is when the empire will end and 1453 now doesn't seem that long ago to me no it's not <laughs> you know having started in 476 and these things seem, seeming so far in the past um yeah something in the 1400s suddenly feels like it's not that far off no and um obviously being from the united states you know 1492 or whatever you know doesn't seem you know ancient history and so obviously there's a there's a there's a nice side to that as you say where things will happen that are actually still very relevant particularly in the balkans and turkey and um places like that um but that there is a dark side to that people have warned me that um greek and turkish people um may start posting Uh, More and more modern political uh, uh, angst at each other. The closer I get to the end, so that'll be an interesting thing, yeah, to look out for.
0: Yeah, that's not something I would have considered doing a history of uh, of Rome, you know, podcast, but that makes complete sense. So,
1: but it's always insane when I think when I I talk to my students about how like really it's not that far ago. Like you really got to think about like it would be so many grandparents back, and if you think that's not that long ago, (laughs) like it's crazy. And just to think, like, hey, we live in the modern age, but it really, we had really advanced in the last three, four decades really quickly. Other than that, it's been kind of smooth, <laughs> like nothing really changes. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. Um, when you are planning out your, so you like this is your full time job, your full time career is mm-hmm. this podcast. So, what and we know why you did this, but what was the point? I guess in your perspective, like you said, okay, I'm committing to this hundred percent of the time. What was that Like, what was that point where you're like, okay, my mindset, I'm going to be making money. This is what's happening. What was that, I guess, that point where you said, okay, I can quit trying to find a nine to five or whatever, and I can just start doing this hundred percent?
2: Yeah. So it's been a it's been a real evolution because I'd say now you can make a living from podcasting or, or YouTube you know, if you have a certain level of success, which was not I, not as true in 2012. I think when I started, you had to be very successful to get enough advertising revenue or, or support to do it full time. Whereas now the, the advertising market for podcasting has grown significantly so that companies will invest in, in podcasting. And um, so that's exciting. So when I started, I needed listener support. I couldn't really rely on on ads and um so i think i'd been doing it for maybe four years and i instead of doing one-off fundraisers because that's what i did after one year i said the next episode is for sale instead of just being free and it was just one episode and it wasn't crucial to the narrative but it was a test to see how many people would would buy it partly for the sake of i want all the episodes but also just as a keep going here's you know here's support and so it was five dollars but it was open-ended so you could give more than five dollars and so you you discover that as you know whatever it was five percent of the audience will give you money and maybe half a percent will give you a hundred dollars because they like you so much or whatever so after four years or so of doing maybe a fundraiser every year like that I said, why don't you buy an annual membership so that it was a bigger investment of money, um, but you'll get more bonus content, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment. So maybe whatever that was, 2016, when I, and enough people bought that I suddenly now I could make a living um, full-time from the podcast, which was exciting. But it is that's a good lesson for content creators because I over-promised because those bonus episodes take so long to produce <laughs> that i had to stop the narrative for long periods oh. and and then your audience complain and so <sighs> it's really difficult i just on that theme i also did a kickstarter much later on to travel to istanbul and to set up tours which i now uh run to turkey to visit the roman ruins which is fantastic and i can talk about that but that again i over promised i didn't actually work out what the audience really wanted and actually the audience would have given me the same amount of money for much less in return and i i don't mean that in a kind of here's how to be a capitalist and to you know maximize but i i thought people would want what i was offering and what i was offering was a very time-consuming project to kind of video all these sites and actually when when i've you know subsequently done those videos people aren't interested at, at all they want to come on the tour they don't didn't really need the video and so if I had just said, can you give me this amount of money? I'll go set up the tours. I, I wouldn't have had to promise the other things, but I didn't market test that. I didn't ask people. I didn't do the research. And so I just assumed what I shouldn't have. So that is another lesson where you you want to talk to your audience and really get proper feedback.
1: Um, that's, that's, that's a wonderful point of view. Like, yeah, I commit to do all <laughs> these crazy things. And then like, oh, I don't have time now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't I re- uh, okay. I, so I got to yeah. do it now. So
2: I mean, absolutely. So I mean, I, d- I don't know what kind of content your listeners create, but if you are reacting to things, so if you're reacting to TV shows or films like I used mm-hmm. to, or if you're interviewing people, those are much less time consuming for you and someone else is kind of providing the content and then you're reacting to it or whatever. If you are the one making things, you have to be very careful at planning how much you can reasonably oh, yeah. do. Um, I know that I know yeah. that feeling yeah so it's it's a real balance
1: so I mean you give you me a good story on explaining this so I've done two things as a twitch streamer and I was like I did two things that I was like really regretting right away when I did it so the first one was I made a, a sub goal so if I hit a, a number I will turn my hair blue <laughs> and I never thought I would hit the number but I did very <laughs> quickly and I was like oh darn <laughs> and then I realized after I did that, I'm like, all right, let's color my hair blue. Realized after that, I had an interview for two jobs where I'm going to go for principals, and I'm like, I can't go in there with a the blue hair. <laughs> so I had to find a workaround to make it work, and I did that, okay. And the second one was I tried to do one of those like hot pepper challenges you see mm. once in a while people doing. Did it before a wedding. Mm. Um, everything down here was completely destroyed. Like my gut was my biome down here was not the same for months after and it was uh, a well lesson learned um so um so i didn't do my research at that time to know that it would destroy my innards um so i missed a couple i missed the wedding because there was concern oh. that i would be problematic out there um but yeah i that's a great point of view is like you need to you know definitely look into it and decide what you're doing then what reaction you can do to it that's it's a lot of work, um, and I I could not imagine reading ten history books right now and producing <laughs> a story.
2: Well, and to continue that sort of financial journey, um, yeah. Again, if you create, so again, it depends what kind of content you create. What's fortunate about what I do is that it's a a collection. So if you are again if you're reacting to video games or or Mm -hmm. films or like maybe people will seek that out in the future but maybe that movie or whatever will lose interest and people won't want to consume your back catalogue so i'm fortunate in that what i'm doing is telling a whole story people want to know the whole story so as podcasting advertising grew my revenue grew because if i was doing a sports podcast people don't want to know what happened in Two thousand and six. They want to know what's happening now. So whereas my catalog continues to be listened to, so that's a very fortunate thing where the advertising revenue then grew, and so in addition to direct support from listeners, I could now feel quite comfortable. And then when you add the tours on top of that, you know, great. And now I've reached a point where very I'm able to do things I never imagined. So a guy who runs a YouTube channel, um, Flashpoint History, is turning. The audio into video and so we okay. can share the revenue on that and that's great and it's you can tell from the comments on youtube people don't know who i am <laughs> they haven't heard of the <laughs> podcast you know and so you're tapping into a different audience so again if you're creating content that could in theory be turned into some other format there's an option opportunity there and you may not have to do it you may be able to partner with someone and you know So there's opportunities there as well
1: because yeah I, out of curiosity when you look at your your numbers your back catalog do you know how many like how much percentage of your viewers or listeners are back in that back catalog or do you not have that much detail
2: yeah um so I'm, I'm with a company called acast who do all the advertising and so they'll give you detailed statistics okay. and I have about 50,000 regular listeners mm-hmm. and then it the numbers just sort of tick slowly upwards so you can see, People sort of moving through the catalog statistically and they catch up with you. And some people listen very fast and some people take their time. Yeah, that's cool though.
1: I like that. That's a good way to put it. I mean, I never really thought about that in depth. Like, hey, produce something that people are going to go back to that can stay in the test of time and yeah. be able to be utilized later on as return content so that you can continue to Gain revenue and produce and do hmm. everything in between without having to constantly do that. No way you can almost create your retirement plan on this because you can just like <laughs> run in the background, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, and this is there, there are options, aren't there? Because I don't really, I've lost track of video games, which is a shame because I just don't have time. But yes. I sat and watched someone on YouTube playing uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas because I loved that game when it came out. So I was like, oh, I'll watch this guy play it. And um, so I can see that even if you're doing very up to date stuff, you can. There's always a way to get nostalgia to find something that people will go, oh, I want to relive that. I want to, you know, so that even if your content is very kind of of the moment, there are ways to kind of create something that will be evergreen and people will go back to.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. People do find that, you know, go back and enjoy that moment or for some reason. Yeah, 100%. All right. So, you said you about three to four, three to five years of content left planned out with the Byzantine Empire, roughly. So, you've already planned that out, or is it kind of like, hey, this is the structure I want to run with? Like, how much planning do you do in a day when you're thinking about this?
2: I mean, it, it not a lot because mm. I'm I, not a lot. Not because a lot. I'm, <laughs> nah. Well, but just because I'm telling the story. So, the story yeah. tells itself. And I'm, I'm fortunate that the Roman state stays pretty much the same the whole time mm-hmm. so it's not like the french revolution where you'd have to go well who am i whose perspective am i covering am i covering the the, the as it exists or am i covering the group who's about to take over and you know i don't have to make those decisions too often um it's just the bonus content really i have to plan and that's I mean, there's lots of things i'd love to talk about but it's just time it's just how mm-hmm. much time is this going to take to produce and then obviously asking for feedback what do people want um cool. So, no, genuinely, that doesn't take a lot of planning because uh, the story is the way it is. Um,
1: So the story is your plan. You just kind of run (laughs) with it.
2: Yeah, exactly. and I mean, the the other thing, if you've been a content creator for a long time, is people will suggest things to you and then you don't have to think about it. So I now get contacted by historians, as in kind of early career historians. So obviously someone who's big and established, doesn't need me, but someone who is making a name for themselves, especially if they're writing about 12th century Byzantium, they are desperate for anyone to listen to what they're saying and and (laughs) to have a platform for their work. You know, Mm -hmm. so they come to me and they go, I, you know, I can help you. I can be on the podcast. I can suggest sources. And that's really handy. Um so yeah, I I that's a good thing about having been around a long time is people seek you out and then that helps you. You don't have to always be searching for the next thing.
0: Yeah. I I kind of like with like you said the fact that it's already history that you just kind of you're just kind of the the pace setter you know how fa- how fast you want to go how you know so it's it's kind of nice because like you said it kind of it ties in well with you know if you get a busy period in life and then
2: yeah though I I, I don't want to have these long gaps I mean people. The, and I, I was honest with, I mean, this is another thing is you can be a very open content creator, you know, people who just film their lives for YouTube. And that's not me at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I grew up in the 1980s. So I find social media intrusive and, you know, and uh, very English, you know, people, why would anyone want to know my business? And, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I tried to be open with people. I would say, oh, I'm I'm going on vacation and, and then I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And it people forget specifically what you said so then they'll message you after like three months going i hope you're enjoying your vacation you know (laughs) where's my podcast and you're like that was months ago i'm working (laughs) on the show but you know so i didn't find that being open and honest about my time was helpful because people have long forgotten that and um yeah, so I, <laughs> I find that people, uh, you know, now the internet, people will not do research. So, oh no, I'll get people will tweet me going, "What's your email address?" And I'm like, "Look <laughs> on, look on my website. Why would you?" I, you know, um. So, the power yeah.
1: in is you know slowly made, you know, people not reliant on anything. They're very lazy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I always. I tell my son every time people are weird, crazy, and lazy. It's all you need to know, if you know, understand that, then answers half the questions of why are they doing that they're weird yes. they're crazy and lazy
2: <laughs> yes absolutely
1: so you, you mentioned you had some historians reach out to you and talk to you is has there been a historian that reached out to you like oh hi i'm super like you did you like fanboy for a moment with anybody um like how jeremy is right now yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um not not the ones who reached out to me because mm. i generally they're they're new to me or i might have heard of them but i i not um i'm not familiar with their work until i get to that period but i interviewing tom holland um who is is quite well known in in the uk and he now has his own podcast which is doing very well called the rest is history i mean that was a big deal for me and um and then speaking to anthony koldellis is a historian i speak to spoken to quite a lot now and i'm a big fan of his work and that's like i mean he he's obviously an academic he wouldn't think of himself as a content creator but that dynamic works the (laughs) other way where his way of writing history is right on my wavelength and so i'm always very excited to talk to him and um, it's a real privilege now i i spoke to another historian adrian goldsworthy yesterday um and i you know, a long time ago, I was very obsequious. And, you know, um, oh, thank you so much for talking to me. And I just sort (laughs) of stuck to the script. And now I feel much more confident, not that I'm on their level, but I can ask questions I've actually want to ask. And that's a huge privilege, because, uh, you know, you don't don't usually get to read a book and go, "Oh, I'll just ask the author what he meant by that. And (laughs) being able to do that is really, uh, is really fun and really uh, a privileged position. So I, I enjoy that.
0: Yeah. is there one that you would like to get onto the podcast like a historian or just somebody to to pick your their brain a little bit or talk about a specific topic
1: Who does jeremy to send an email to for you that's what yeah I'm sure. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i did not to be a downer but mark Wito, um is a historian who I, I really liked and he he sadly died in a car crash and i i definitely would have asked him to to, to speak to him um there are people who I who I've read a lot of who I'd like to speak to, but I've now kind of moved on past their period um Warren treadgold has written a lot and um, it's also historians who I really enjoyed and then I've heard historians who contradict them and so then I don't know what I would say in an interview would I let them would I bring that up or would I not bring
1: that try up? to defend themselves yeah
2: yeah um <laughs> Kind of the the famous historians probably aren't covering my period, Um, so you know. But there are lots of good Byzantinists who I could speak to, but I don't. I often don't want to just talk generally. I'm keen to make the content relevant to what I'm talking about because I think so many podcasts interview people generically, and I don't want to add to that sense of Oh, it's just another interview where they're just saying, "Why do you like Roman history?" not it? You know, and I'm like, yeah. "No, let's." I want to ask you the questions that people don't know the answers to. So, yeah, but that's a good question. I should probably think about who else, who else I'd really like to interview, and uh, and whether they'd come on. I mean, people are generally very generous in in Byzantine studies because it's not a popular field. to then, you no,
1: know, it really, isn't. they're very ha-
2: No, they're very happy to talk about <laughs> yeah. their work to someone.
1: Yeah, and it's it's. Um... I mean, Jeremy's come out with bonus both, both content for you, I guess you say. But <laughs> so I like – so I keep him around. He does that for me. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: So as you – I guess, what are some little hobbies outside of podcasting and stuff like that that you do? I mean, you do a lot of reading. You got to do something outside to kind of help, I guess, unwind. You're human, right? Yeah. So what is your, like what is your – you do all this really hard work. You're doing all this research. You're doing all this reading. You're doing all this podcasting and recording and – Thinking about like, what is your turnoff? Like, what do you do to like relax?
2: Um. Well, it's It's (laughs) a hard question. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No, it's a good. It's a good question. But I mean, I guess I I am a good interview subject for this podcast because now I am a dad and have Mm. just got a nine-month-old baby, and it's been very difficult. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's uh, it's been difficult to do much, really. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. I generally wherever i'm whenever i'm moving around the house or walking somewhere when i used to exercise uh (laughs) i listen to podcasts and i listen to uh soccer so i'm I'm translating everything into american uh, but yeah football and cricket are my my hobbies in 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 the uk i I used to play cricket a lot which i loved but i don't now. um maybe one day the great thing about cricket is you can play when you're 70 you just play against other 70 year olds until somebody dies but um yeah so football cricket comedy uh a little bit of news but not too much um <laughs> a little bit of history but i can only kind of take in
1: are you overload know.
2: yeah so i can't really like i i um swap introductions with other history podcasters and you know there are podcast on kind of every country and every civilization you can imagine and i can't listen to any of them because i can't take in new information
0: uh, mm. in the middle of a
2: work day so i have to just you know if someone's talking about world war ii or or whatever i in in half an hour i can listen to that for fun but um
1: but yeah, I so, gotta, yeah i understand you can't listen to the same thing over it's history it's they yeah usually a lot of you know same things conversations and you're like ah oh, i get that
2: yeah um so i do fantasy football but obviously again soccer yeah um, with which has been a, a great way to stay in touch with male friends who i no longer live near and i i think <laughs> if i didn't have that we would never we would not be in touch anymore no. so that's that's really that's really handy um and then yeah just trying to spend time with my wife because as as i'm sure you know the first year with the baby you're just like here's the baby see you later and, yeah. uh,
1: your turn tag
2: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah um, little ones always there's third i guess as as you're sitting here i can see the bags yes it's later (laughs) for you tired
0: (laughs) Uh, i i do gotta ask one quick dangerous question who's your favorite soccer team i guess we gotta go well quick
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i basically i grew up in a a very middle-class household where my dad was into rugby and cricket which um, you know, are posh sports in the UK. So I I was always more passionate about cricket. So I I didn't have a football team. And in England, people grow up, you know, with a football oh, yeah. team and they love... So I don't have that level of passion. I do for England football team um, when they play in, in big tournaments. But I am a Chelsea fan who... Chelsea were bought by, you know, a Russian oligarch. And oh. uh, so they are not popular and have bought success. And They're currently just buying a whole new team. So <laughs> I... You know, all my friends are very passionate Chelsea fans, and I'm very like, eh. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you guys do fantasy uh, stuff for sports in the US. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like, oh yeah. Okay, so now I know all these this information about all these teams <laughs> who before I had no interest in. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now I have favorite players from other teams because they do well for me in fantasy, which before I would never have paid them any
0: attention at all. So, nice. yeah. So well, that was—I would was say—that was actually a—that was a really good answer. There was no—I uh, <laughs> was very safe. I'm not. I don't have any. I'm uh, more of a Barcelona fan, so I wouldn't have. Right too many too many issues with you so i i can continue listening to the podcast for good, so. i was concerned jeremy oh, I, no. I
2: should have maybe you should have messaged me privately yeah uh, so gone, <laughs> probably... it's all about real madrid and uh, yeah all right this, this interview's over no, yeah, I'm just exactly. so.
1: <laughs> the passion behind those sports teams i like, i have like i like sports I like my teams i'm more of a hockey baseball person yeah and uh but my wife is more into the sports. I'm the other side. Like I like cooking and like, you know, more of the, I guess you could say the more domesticated things. And she's yeah. like, I like sports and she knows all the players and names and, you know, stats. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I, so all my friends talk to her about sports stuff all the time. And I'm like, yeah, You're I right. just, I'm in the corner. Just chilling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, uh, again, this is sort of tangentially related to content creators. Like my yeah. wife, my wife has no interest in sports and no interest in history. And I would say that's that's a positive thing because yeah. she can't tell me, you know, I didn't really like what you did in that last episode. I don't think that would be good for our relationship. I think that's, yeah. that's I might, a good separation to have. I,
1: my, my wife's co-worker found out I did this and then started listening to the podcast. So if you're listening, hi. Um, <laughs> and then she started, hey, you do this podcast? And she didn't know like what I was talking about. And then she started listening to it. I'm like, can you not listen? That'd be, yeah. that'd be cool <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it but uh, don't
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: that's a good that's a good little nugget of wisdom have your specific other not participate with you <laughs> it's wise all right well we are close to our hour mark and I, we told you we keep you for an hour I know being a new dad time is precious and sleep's nice when you can have it um, so before we let you leave I guess what is that one small nugget of wisdom that you can give a new podcaster or content creator listening that might be on the edge of like, let's go full-time or not. What can you give them to kind of put in the back of their mind?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think it is increasingly hard as a podcaster to get an audience, not only because podcasting is so oversaturated now. Mm. Um, so many celebrities do podcasts now and so on. Um, and you know with the with the podcast apps you know you used to have to get podcast from itunes and it would list kind of here's 50 podcasts you know and now with your phone it'll just show you like the top eight or something and you really have to so it's, it's hard you do have to work hard to be found um if you want to if you want to follow a path similar to mine if you have a podcast or content that's sort of similar to mine in any way not necessarily history but like a a collection that people might find then i would i would set yourself a time limit i would say i'm going to do this for 2 years or whatever it takes in in your spare time or whatever and see if i can find an audience of some kind and i think if that audience even if it's small is passionate then you're on the right path um and you can find more people who like what you do if people are passionate you know if you, I think with my TV stuff, I did find a passionate audience, but it was small and, and there was a lot of feedback from yeah. people going the other way, saying, I don't tune in to hear someone crap on my favorite TV show for now. So I kind of, <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because now I think people on YouTube do do that and people like that, but I think it's a different format and so on. So um, what I would say, particularly about podcasting, but I'm sure this applies to most content creation is, it is narrow casting. It's not broadcasting. So like, you know, we all grew up with, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Jay Leno or someone who he's broadcasting. He's trying to appeal to as many people as possible. And so the BBC in the UK, you know, does the same thing. And narrow casting is saying, this is who I am. I'm very specific. I'm going to tell you Byzantine history. I'm not going to tell you many jokes. I'm going to be passionate about it, but I'm not going to, talk about you know modern parallels whatever it is and the audience you find will be a bit like you so i do these tours to turkey and the people who turn up are all middle-aged middle-class men and obviously yeah. they bring their wives and yeah. and the tour is is fun anyway but it's people who are on your wavelength now obviously you might have content that appeals to all kinds of different people but they'll have they'll have something in common and you can find those people all over the world if you can uh, be uh, on a platform long enough to find that audience and so i would say your audience more often than not is you and so make stuff that you would want to to watch don't try and make things you think people will like make stuff that you would pay to 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 watch or to consume or whatever it is and that's the most likely way to find um uh, enough people to support you to keep going because there those people are out there it's just they live a thousand miles from you but they yeah. think just like you and they enjoy you know just the way your mind works and that's kind of what you're what you're giving and and if you do that for two or three years and you don't find that audience at all either you're not you know finding a way to put it out there or you have a brain that people don't relate to in some way but that's not necessarily a diss it might just be that you should be creating a chair or a car or you know what i mean you shouldn't necessarily be creating content that people want to they don't want to be in your mind but you might have a skill with something else so that that's how that would be my perspective i'm not saying that's a rule for life that everyone will follow but Mm -hmm. that's been my journey that there's enough people out there who think the way i do that i've been able to make it work
1: perfect I like that. I like the term narrow casting. I like that a lot. Oh. At least you didn't say grind. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much, Robin, for hanging out with us for this hour and giving us a perspective from a, from a different type of content and different type of uh, process uh, from what we normally talk about. And I really appreciate it. Again, I'm not as intimidating anymore with you, um, <laughs> but I uh, I will definitely be I'm still a little there, um, but I do appreciate it heavily. I guess, Jeremy, do you have any other questions before I go to the last little bit? No,
0: nope, I'm good. I was just going to say, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. So,
2: thank you so much for having me. It's, it's really nice to talk about podcasting as a vocation as or whatever. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to talk about.
1: Wonderful. So listeners, again, if you are still listening to us, like always, please give us a review, um, positive, negative, sideways, up, down, whatever it needs to be. So, you know, I will read it out loud on this podcast for you to listen to and give you a shout out if you do leave me a little remark on any one of our million platforms, um, even if it is on the Twitter or the X or whatever you call that thing now. Um, So we appreciate that heavily. Um, And then, you know, passing information along to your friends. It's always great to hear. But uh, thank you all. And as always, potatoes.